Word on Fire is brought to you by Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Chicago area since 1837. This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents The Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, the Gospel passage for today is taken from the second chapter of Mark's Gospel. People wonder why Jesus and his disciples don't fast when John, that means John the Baptist, and his disciples do. Well, it's a good question, it's a fair question. See, Jesus, by comparison with many other religious figures of his time, had a much freer, more worldly, less obviously religious style. For example, he didn't sequester himself like the Essenes, you know, those who kept the Dead Sea Scrolls. The Essenes were a kind of proto-monastic community. They left the world living by themselves in a kind of religious isolation. Well, Jesus didn't do that. He wasn't in a scene. Furthermore, he didn't insist on ritual and legal purity like the Pharisees. That was a major preoccupation. We hear it over and over again in the Gospels of the Pharisees. Well, Jesus wasn't like that. In fact, his lack of fussiness about those things bothered the Pharisees. And finally, he didn't fast or live a life of particular austerity like John the Baptist and his followers. Rather, Jesus moved rather freely in society, even allowing himself to be accompanied by women. And that was very unusual in his time. More to it, Jesus was not a formally trained and recognized rabbi or scholar of the law. Now, he's called rabbi from time to time, but it's more of a title of respect. He wasn't formally trained as a rabbi. He didn't preside at a synagogue. He wasn't a scribe or scholar of the law. He also ate and drank with some of the worst elements in society. We hear that over and over again, don't we? He eats with prostitutes and tax collectors. The point is, Jesus was something of a scandalous figure in his time. So questions like this one, I'm sure, came up a lot. People wondered about him. They were intrigued by him, fascinated by him, but also they were a little bit concerned. Who is this character? Here's Jesus' wonderful answer, and it's really worth meditating on. He says, how can the guests at a wedding fast while the groom is still with them? How come your disciples don't fast? Because they're at a wedding, that's why. That theme of the wedding, and I've spoken about it often to you, you find it throughout the Old Testament as a motif to express God's covenant with his people. We've fallen apart in sin. We've gone into exile. What's God want? He wants to call us back into a great wedding banquet. And then, throughout the ministry of Jesus, that same motif. He will gather the scattered tribes Yes, the elite, but also the sinners. Yes, the saints, but also the outcasts. All welcome around the table of the Lord. Establishing this wedding banquet of intimacy and unity that God wants with his people. 
We saw it probably most clearly in that great story of the wedding banquet at Cana. And Jesus presents himself there as the wedding of heaven and earth. He's the coming together of divinity and humanity. In his own person, he is this wedding banquet. How come your disciples don't fast? Because this great banquet is going on. How can the guests fast while the groom is still with them? Can you imagine people fasting at a wedding banquet? All the guests come into a fancy room at a country club. There's a band playing. There's the tables elegantly laid out. And then the food arrives and it's bread and water. <laughs> well, no. I mean, maybe at a monastery you'll get that. Maybe while you're on a special retreat. But not when you're at a wedding banquet. No, no. That's when the feast comes out. The best food they can offer. So, so. The Christian dispensation is a joyful dispensation. Exuberance, life, joy is the mark of the Christian thing. It's often been said, joy is the flag of the Holy Spirit. The mark of the saint, joy. Christ said, I've come that you might have joy and have it to the full. Therefore what? Listen now to the second part of the gospel for today. No one pours new wine into old wine skins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins, and both wine and skins will be lost. That's a beautiful, eloquent image, isn't it? The trouble is we don't see wine skins very often in our world. They were, of course, very prominent in Jesus' time. Even if you go to some cultures today around the Mediterranean, you'll see them. In fact, wine stored in them. An animal skin that's sort of supple and receptive, and it's filled with wine. The wine is distributed from the skins. Well, this was the ordinary practice in Jesus' time. To prepare a wine skin, to receive the wine, well, you had to make it supple, soft enough, receptive enough but also strong enough so it could contain the wine. You know, this maybe is a goofy image, but I always think of when I was a kid and I bought my first baseball glove and my father taught me how to put the oil on the glove and then you put the ball in the pocket and then we wrapped a belt around it and we let the mitt sit for several hours like that to make it receptive so that when that ball came, the glove would receive it. The same kind of idea here. The wine skins have to be ready to receive the wine. What's the wine? The gospel. The good news. That divinity and humanity have met in Jesus Christ. The good news that the wedding banquet is on. The good news that God's love is poured out in this extraordinary, exuberant, effervescent, unexpected way. That's the new wine. What won't work? If we pour that new wine into unreceptive old wine skins, just that glove that I bought when I was a kid, if we hadn't prepared it properly, it would never receive the ball. The ball would just sort of jump off of it. So an old, desiccated, unflexible, unreceptive wine skin, you pour the new wine in, the fresh wine, it'll burst it and both wine and skins will be lost. What are the wine skins? 
you, your heart, your mind, yourself, your person. You have got to become adequately receptive to this impossibly good news. You have got to be ready for the wedding banquet or you will be overwhelmed by the good news. Stay with the wedding image for a second. Imagine somebody coming to a wedding banquet and they're in a lousy mood. They sit there and swirling all around them, music, dancing, laughter, speeches, exuberant fun. That guy goes home after the wedding banquet. It's been a lousy mood the whole time. Someone asked him, how was the wedding? What would he say? Oh, it's terrible. It was annoying. It, it was boring. I hated it. Is he right? Well, of course not. What he's doing is he's reading his own mood back to you. He was unable to receive the beauty and fun and exuberance of that wedding because he wasn't in the right mood for it. Someone else who was ready for that wedding, you could pour that whole experience into them and they could take it in. Another image. Imagine a kid raised exclusively on rock and roll or rap. And suddenly at the age of 20, he's introduced to Beethoven, to Mozart. What would he say? Undoubtedly, he'd say, it's just boring. I don't get it. It's just so tedious. Come on. I, I, I don't like it. Well, of course he doesn't. You're trying to pour new wine into old wine skins. You're trying to pour something very new into an unreceptive receptacle. What you have to do, you have to prepare that kid to listen to something as complex and rich as Mozart or Beethoven. Now, let's be fair, turn the image around. Suppose someone who's been raised exclusively on classical music, and now you're going to play Eminem for him, or Kanye West, or the Rolling Stones, or the Beatles. He's going to find them incomprehensible too, and for the same reason. Do you know? He's not ready for them. He's not prepared, not receptive to them. You've got to get them in position to receive something new. Here's a great statement from the Greek philosopher Aristotle, and it applies directly to what I'm talking about. Aristotle said, whatever is received is received according to the mode of the recipient. <laughs> I know that sounds very abstract, but really it's not. Whatever is received is received according to the mode of the recipient. In other words, you take in what you're capable of taking in. You take in from the outside world what you're ready and predisposed to take in. If you tell a little tiny kid some complex story, he'll take in a little bit of it. You tell the same story now to an experienced intellectual person. They'll take in the whole thing, all the nuances and so on. So, so, Jesus Christ comes bearing new wine. This impossibly good news that God loves us so much that he sent his only son, that God joins us in a great wedding banquet. This exuberant message can only be taken in by exuberant people. 
It can be received only by those, listen, whose minds and hearts are receptive and expansive enough to take it in. Look, if your mind is just stubbornly skeptical, if you've got a cynical mind, you're not open to new things, skeptical, you won't take in the gospel. Rather, cultivate your capacity for wonder. Cultivate your capacity for surprise. Cultivate your capacity to take in something new. Open up your mind. If you've got a heart that's self-regarding, that's closed in, fearful, you won't get this message. You just won't. Rather, your heart has got to be expansive. Your heart's got to be open, excited, exuberant. And then this new wine can be poured in. Let me close with this. A lot of people in the New Testament didn't get Jesus. In fact, at the end of the day, almost no one got him. He preached, performed miracles. He was there, personally present. And lots of people didn't get it. You know why? Because they were old wine skins. Who got him? Two come to mind. Mary Magdalene and John the Evangelist, they got him. Why? Because they loved him. Because they loved him. They had fallen in love with Jesus. And that love so expanded their minds, that love so expanded their hearts, that they were able to take in every drop of the new wine. They were new wine skins. Why don't we hear the gospel? Why don't we take it in? Maybe because we're not ready. Make your minds intoxicated. Make your hearts expansive. And then you will hear this great gospel message. You will take in the new wine. And God bless you. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that, together, we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. Most interment arrangements at the 42 Archdiocese of Chicago cemeteries are made through a pre-need plan. Your thoughtful planning today is economically prudent and contributes to peace of mind for you and your loved ones. Catholic Cemeteries counselors are available at your convenience. For more information, call 708-449-6100. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837.